<laughs> Yo, what's up, my brother? What is up, my friend? Did we vibe into some new intro music today? Yes, sir. Uh, it's my we're jam. We're changing it up a little bit. <laughs> I'm glad you well, like it. I do. I do like it. And hopefully our listeners like it as well, which, by the way, welcome to the Pixelist podcast, where we talk about all the amazing games, movies, shows, things that we really like and adore. And we jump on a couple of microphones and talk about it on a week to week basis. So I am uh, I almost said I'm Will. I'm not Will. You're Will. And I'm not Blake. Yes, correct. Uh, I'm Blake. That's Will. We are the Pixelists. And uh, we'd like to think that maybe you're also part of the Pixelist family, enjoying these shows just like we do. Yeah, one cohesive unit. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Dom, Dom would be proud. Family. That's <laughs> all that matters. Mm. But uh, yeah, we're just a couple of nerds who love talking about stuff that we really enjoy watching. And uh, today's episode, we're talking about a favorite of both of ours. Uh, it's Critical Role Show Exandria Unlimited, and if you're checking this out, hopefully you've been watching some of it with us, and we're talking about uh, episode three? Four. four. It four, started right? like running. It is four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's four. Then all of a sudden I was like, oh God, is it four or is it three? Okay, yeah, four. So we're halfway done with the series. We know there's going to be eight episodes total, and uh, we're going to be deep diving on it today, trying to basically hit every detail as best we can on this episode that will did you enjoy the episode by the way i did i did it was uh it was a treat i've really liked we already talked about it but how i think we both said last episode was our favorite so far um i think it, we're continuing to go on an uh, on an upward trajectory um we uh similar to last ep we didn't get too much combat there was some but it was another heavy RP episode, which I just eat those up. So yeah, I, I did oh. enjoy it. How about you? I did not enjoy it for three words. Will Cinna was robbed. <laughs> True, that's, all I, that's all I have to say. True. Liam O'Brien's performance was so amazing. Stop the fact the that the fact that we're just going to go ahead. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the recap, all this stuff here in a second, but I'm just, I got to get this out because it's, it's made me angry. Will I've True. lost sleep over this. The performance was amazing. The crowd loved him uh, or loved her and not even runner up. What is yeah. this crap? That's what I want to know. Yeah, so I, <laughs> that was the only thing that really threw me was, I was like, how I was like, Abria, how dare you? How dare you do this to us after giving us someone we love so much and then taking it away from us? So. True, though. We'll, we'll, okay, we'll expound <laughs> on that more later. But yeah, I actually agree. Yeah. Uh, other than that, oh my gosh. This was prime D&D in my mind. Um, like you said, we really liked the last episode. It really does feel like the... It's like everyone's... Um, style and energy is really starting to vibe with one another. They're really starting to be comfortable with one another. And this is everything you could want in a D&D session. You have some really awesome combat. You have a lot of questions that make you wonder, um, like, where's this story going? Uh, you have a great RP sesh in the form of the pageant. Uh, when I think about all the elements you want in a great D&D session, this pretty much had it. And so... I love the episode. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was the best one yet. And um, I know we try to stay away from some of the uh, more 
uh, also engaged communities that can be somewhat negative. But actually, a lot of the comments that I was reading were that many other people were saying, yeah, this was a freaking phenomenal episode. Um, so oh, nice. props to the CR fam, because it seems like a lot of us enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I actually haven't, um, I haven't seen too much uh, commentary on it like I normally would. Uh, so it's good to hear that most everybody enjoyed it, you know, because there's always a few people. But uh, <laughs> there's, all that, there's always that one person who cannot enjoy anything in life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, but, yeah, great up and officially the halfway point. So, be interesting to see what happens from here on out. There's but, a lot. There's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I guess we'll get into that. Um, yeah. 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 But uh, if you're familiar with us, if you're familiar with these, then, you know, we like to give uh, a bit of an in-depth recap since this is very long content, a lot to trudge through and a lot that you can easily forget week to week. So <clears throat> as usual, we're going to uh, do our in-depth recap now. Uh, but if you I think I just said this, but if you watch us, you're familiar with this. We sometimes cut this out and upload it, you know, for the convenience. So mm. if, if you're uh, if you're watching that video now. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, you can find our full discussion video. We'll link that below in the comments. So check it out if you're into EXU and, you know, nerds diving way too deep into it. Um, For sure. For sure. And also, we sometimes stream these. So check out our Twitch channel because sometimes oh, yeah. we, we stream it. And if you want to like be part of the conversation, we love interacting with people in the room. Uh, and you have your own insights, things that you loved. Um, put it in the comments of the video, but definitely jump into those streams and let us know. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, we should look into streaming directly to the YouTube channel because that would probably be the best place to do it, honestly. But I guess this is shop talk for later, but just thought of it. So I figured I'd throw it out there. So I didn't. Yeah. Forget. Anyway, now that we've kind of rambled a little bit, maybe yeah. we should say again, hey, thanks for checking out the recap. <laughs> We're about to talk about the episode. And if you want to see the whole video, click the link below. <laughs> see, now people they are like, OK, yeah, I'm ready. Let's do yes. it. So. OK. All right, so, let's yeah. do this thing. We'll jump in. Episode four of Exandria Unlimited by the road. All right. <clears throat> so we start off the end of last episode had our whole party just riding away in the cart after having just bested Posca. And they are now on their way to the ruins of Konira. I think that's how you say it. Quinceanera. And mm -hmm. um, since our, our cart driver was unfortunately maybe killed last episode the party is now in control of this cart and so they're just going to take it the whole way now where previously they were just taking it to the edge of the city but anyway so we're in our cart on the way and um the episode hilariously just starts with fern trying to control the cart and unfortunately rolling a natural one on her animal handling check and the cart just literally comes to a stop and dariax is like all right i'll help here and he uses thaumaturgy to cast thunderclap and just scare the bejesus out of the horses which it does and um in this happening fern actually falls off the cart from you know, not being able to hold on and basically we just have this quick scene of just some hijinks of everyone trying to to fix this problem but not being able to like dorian tries to cast levitate on fern and like drag her along with the cart but unfortunately levitate does not like tether you to the person so all he does is lift her up and she's just <laughs> where she was but now floating um so you know it's a bunch of chaos and finally 
somebody's like, just pull on the reins. And so Dariax tries that, but also fails. And ultimately, we just have Orem leap into action, just kind of like nimbly jumps onto the horse, covers its eyes, and that horse is able to calm down, slow down. Uh, but the other one, unfortunately, is not. So the cart jeers off the path and eventually comes to a stop. And uh, everybody gets back together and they're like, okay, <laughs> what are we doing? And they, they realize that the uh, the Gilmore cart they have is actually leaving a trail of glitter behind them. And so they're like, okay, we're like running from a bunch of people. This maybe isn't the best trail to be leaving behind um they do come to realize though that if you wait long enough the glitter will disappear but they're not wanting to take any chances and so um the cart which they have deemed the glitter shitter they come up with a diaper for it <laughs> and uh dorian uses his cape to kind of capture the glitter so that they're leaving absolutely no trail so after all these hijinks they get back on and they get back on the road and here we're, we're hit with a bit of a time jump and abria says they basically are traveling for a few weeks and it's it's pretty uneventful. Um, and the cast in this moment, actually, they don't really RP anything for this time. It's just, boom, two-week time jump or whatever. And we're just... Uh, that is ended with a wisdom saving throw from Fern. And um, I guess we don't know if she fails or succeeded, but she realizes that all of a sudden she remembers this road. It's the same road that she traveled on when she first came to Amon after leaving mm -hmm. the Feywild. And so she just starts feeling like this kind of nostalgia or this memory about this area. And suddenly she feels like pulled towards something like deep in the woods. And so um, since she's the one in control, she actually starts steering the cart off the road and kind of into the woods. And um, Orem is up there with her and he kind of notices they're getting off track, but he they're still going in the general direction they need to be. So... He doesn't really say anything because um, they're still a couple weeks travel away from where they're going ultimately. Um, but Dorian does ask. He's like, hey, what? why are we pulling off the road? What are we doing? Right. And Fern <laughs> says that um, she thinks it's safer to not be on the road, be more inconspicuous, and also that she needs to check something. And she asks everyone else, like, hey, does anybody else feel like pulled to something over here like I do? And um, Orem and Dariax both also do feel something like they said like something right behind their navel was pulling them in that same direction and dariox launches into a little spiel about how you know you got to trust the feeling in your gut and you know sometimes that's just like the truest thing you can do is just follow that and so because of that they're like okay you know what we're gonna check this out uh so they, they keep getting further and further off the road deeper and deeper into the woods and uh bugs start getting all over opal and she is very not about it uh, but Fern lets her borrow Mister, and he basically becomes her personal exterminator, sitting on her shoulder and eating the bugs and everything. Um, <clears throat> so during this time, we kind of get a little bit of RP uh, with the party, you know, talking about random stuff. And they actually start pressing Dorian for information, being like, how come you haven't told us anything about yourself? And right. he's like, uh, you know, what? I'm, I'm from a small town, just like you guys are. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, what town? And he, he can't come up with anything. He's like, yeah. uh, it's like shoot, what's the name? Yeah. What's the name? <laughs> Awkward so, silence. Exactly. And so they're like, um, okay, you know, like, you don't have to tell us if you don't want to. And he says, you know, maybe in time he'll feel more comfortable, um, but he'd rather not reveal too much right now. But he does let them know that he had a happy childhood and that he actually does have a brother and that he's just happy to be where he is now. And, you know, right. 
he'll hopefully share more later. And uh, Dariax basically comforts him. It's like, hey, you know, we all have past we're not proud of, so don't worry about it. Uh, so then Fern actually makes another wisdom saving throw and presumably fails again, but we're not told. And Orum notices her entire, like, appearance begin to change she her mm. eyes go from normal to become like goat-like and more feral and he's like hey uh what's happening to you and she does not know this she's not she wasn't aware i don't think but also is not familiar with this change in her um so like i said they just keep traveling following this pull that fern is feeling and eventually they reach a, a part of the woods that's like too thick to travel by cart so Fern gets out and she's like, hey, I got to see what's going on with me. What's going on here? Like, I'm going to keep going. You know, y'all do what you want. And uh, as that's happening, there's a great moment between Dorian and Dariax in the back of the cart. And uh, Dariax is basically like, you know what? I think I figured you out, Dorian. You're a carny, carnival folk. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Dorian kind of messes with him and is like, you know what? You're exactly right. But don't tell anyone. <laughs> because this is just our little secret and he actually says that his family was from like this really famous trapeze artist and juggler and that his father was a famous juggler and performed for a king and that the king loved it so much he wanted to keep dorian's father there to like always perform for him but dorian's dad wasn't about that and so he he left and because this upset the king he put a contract out on dorian's father's life so that's why Dorian's like, you can't tell anyone because if anyone to find us out about me, it would all be over. Yeah. And so Darius is like, okay, yeah, I won't tell anybody. Um, so then everyone gets out of the cart and they all decide, you know, it's better if we stick together. So we're all going to roll together. And they start making their way on foot um, into the woods and they ultimately come to this open glade and there mm -hmm. is this like mysterious gate just sitting there. And uh, if my friend, would you like to take over yeah. from here? Yeah, yeah, which, great job, by the way. I love, by the way, when uh, DRX is like, I think you're from the carnival, and he's like, how did you know? Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so they get to this spot, and um, this was a really cool scene, only because it's a throwback to Fern peeling back that false memory and realizing that she had traveled through a gate to eventually make it to Iman. And she recognizes this gate and realizes, oh, this is actually where I came through from the Feywild. And this is like a really interesting place, by the way, uh, this glade that they're in, because things are very much unnatural. Um, it, it's, it's in the spot where um, there aren't really any insects or creatures around. There's just the flora. But like the motion, I think they might even use the phrase of like, it was kind of like, it almost felt like the space was almost kind of shimmering. Yeah. Um, some things were very fresh and other things were starting to decompose. In fact, Dariax uh, checks his rations and notices that his uh, bread or whatever he had on him was actually mold like already molding, even though it should have lasted for much longer. Um, Opal, who's hating all of the... Uh, you know, the nature adventure already, she sneezes and her spittle, like she spews it out and then it just kind of lingers in the air. And Abria even mentions that the sun and the moon are both up in the sky. So it's a very weird place. It's a very strange place, but Fern is totally locked in on this gate and this temptation, this pull, whatever this is, 
she basically says, you know, hey, what if we just we just stepped in for a second? You know, we just went through for a minute and just said, hey, to everybody said, hey, to the fam. Specifically, she says, you know, you could meet my grandmother. Um, and I think I, I think maybe it's it's Orm or someone who's even kind of encouraging her to. Yeah, maybe you should go through. Do you want to do you want to go home? Um, and Fern's kind of like, well, and it's interesting, this this kind of duality that's happening, because on one hand, she's feeling the temptation. She's feeling the pull. But on the other hand, she mentions how, well, I was sitting here for a reason, and I don't quite know if my job is done. Right. So they talk about it, and this this temptation continues to fester until finally she's like, maybe maybe I will just just step in just for a second. And so she walks up to the gate, and it I can't remember if they said there was it was a reflection of what she saw, or maybe it was just clear, like she could see what was behind it as being actually already there, but. But yet you could tell there was like the barrier of the gate. Regardless, she slowly puts her hand through and she immediately begins to smell this intense burning smell. And it kind of freaks her out. And so she pulls her hand back. uh, But this reflection of her hand actually like follows her back out of the gate. And this is such a cool... Uh, well-described scene yeah the hand comes through and then from that also comes out the rest of a body and fern steps back as this creature basically steps through the gate and stands before her and it's someone who looks very similar to her um ashley johnson is kind of trying to figure out like who is this person and abria mentions like you definitely recognize her (laughs) and fern's like is is this my mother and this creature says, um, which by the way, she she looks very similar to Fern. She's darker. She has harder angles. Abria even mentions that she moves in a way that's very unnatural and strange. Her clothes, it's the same clothes, but they're covered in soot. Um, she has these big, bright uh, fangs. And she's also wearing something, a dark circlet on her head, which at this moment I was like, no way. And she says, she says to Fern, it's time to come home. So like I mentioned, Fern's trying to figure out who is this person? What's like, you know, who, who am I looking at? And she says, like, is this, is this my mother? And that's when we realize that this is in fact dark Fern, as we're calling her. And she says, no, I'm you. Um, time is, is different here. And I'm basically, I'm what you should be. It's almost like what, you sh- what you're destined to become. Like, I am you. Yeah. Um, and what you will be if you decide to come with me and step through and first kind of thrown by this, she's like, you know, you definitely don't look like me, um, in the sense of like, you're a lot rough around the edges. And so she asks, well, what happened to you? And she says, uh, well, I found my power and she actually notices the, um, crown on her head. And she says, did you, did you put on the circlet? And, uh, Fern just smiles, and meanwhile, Derex is like, "We still have our circlet, so what's yeah. going on here?" And Dark Fern even asks, "Like, do you want to? Do you want it? Do you want the crown?" And Fern, interestingly enough, remember she's neutral; uh, her alignment's neutral. She says, "Yes, yes, I do want it. I do want it." Uh, but so she asks for like a demonstration of this power, and Dark Fern actually creates this wildfire around the gate that begins to spread. Um, we also know that Mister is really. Uh, uh, intensely caught up in what's happening here and we also see behind dark fern on these shadows behind the portal 
uh, that almost seem like they're waiting to come through. And Fern asks if this is Sweet Pea, Bumpers, and Peepers, <laughs> who's a bear, a crocodile, and a rabbit that she knows. Um, Abria starts to describe something happening from one of the characters' perspectives, and it's kind of confusing. You're like, well, who's she talking about right yeah. now? She mentions, mentions a person's stomach churning uh, and a voice speaking from the dark. Um, it's, it's, Abria describes, you know, these are people that you know, you see that they're in danger, you recognize them. And then we actually get a new character. She, that's who she's describing, someone entirely new to the party who's kind of lingering on the side. And this is Fear of Rai, a level four monk, which not sure if she's actually level four. Yeah, it's a level four monk who's played by Anjali uh, Bimani. She has a hair of fire. She has a long staff. And she basically tells Darkfern, hey, uh, uh, step back from us. And we begin to roll initiative. So we have this really awesome combat scene. Uh, Fern asks, you know, did you find Mama and Papa? And Darkfern's like, she keeps goading her to come with her. And uh, actually, Darkfern mentions that uh, basically throws Grandma under the bus and says that she lied to us. All of the letters came from her, not from our parents, which to me implied that I guess at some point Fern was receiving letters from her parents. And Darkfern is basically saying, no, that was a lie. It was from our grandma. Um, but anyway, the coolest part before this fight is when Orem steps in front of Fern and so does Fuhrer Rai as to sort of protect Fern. And Darkfern kind of laughs at their poor show of um, competition yeah. and says, um, that's the funny thing about time. I've killed you all already. But you're like, wait, what? What is that? So Darkfern has her own version of Mr. Um, also kind of twisted. Uh, she also summons a bunch of scorpions that are made out of burning driftwood. Um, we have the battle happen. Opal tries to, to poison spray one of the um, scorpions, and she doesn't have her magic. And we see Ted basically saying, hey, just apologize. And she's like, no, I won't. And like, even everyone else is being like, I don't know what's going on, but please get over yourself. Apologize. And part of me kind of thought this was the players too being like, okay, but really, like, we, yeah. we need your help here. <laughs> um, but she does have some cool flavor where um, she uses her whip, she uses her knives. Um, we even have Dorian inspired Dariax, uh, and basically saying, you know, now's your chance. Kill Mr. <laughs> Dariax is like, ah, yes, yeah. finally. Uh, but so they fight with the scorpions, they fight with dark fern. Um, and what's interesting is dark fern actually looks at Fuhrer Rai and says, I've never killed you before. This is going to be fun, which kind of makes me wonder, and we'll get into this later, but like the time, like her mentioning that yeah. we've done this before, what's going made on? Maybe wonder if Fuhrer Rai is like the 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 changing factor the thing that isn't normally there i don't know we'll talk about it uh, but so the two misters fight each other um our mister gets pretty rough and dariax you can tell he's trying to do like a really cool like attack and he's like oh dang it and he reaches out and um uh heals mister and then he's like, we're never going to talk about this again. And uh, some Redditors were joking that maybe Mr. kind of like on his deathbed, like gave him the poop hand. Because <laughs> Mr.'s actually been throwing like this hot poop at Dark Fern as well. Um, uh, in the fight, everyone's basically battling. Uh, they're actually rolling incredibly well. Um, Orm has an insane roll where uh, he gets a natural 20 crit on Dark Fern. Uh, he acts it out really well. 
And actually, Fern has this cool moment where she tries to use Stonky's ring to pull the circlet off of Dark Fern's head. Yeah. And Abrius says something like, you're going to have to roll really well. I think she rolled a 17. It seemed like, I think she even told her, you need to roll an 18. And she rolled, I think, a 17. And it was kind of like, a, oh, what could happen here? Yeah. But so she almost pulls it off and Dark Fern kind of grabs it and pulls it back to her own head. Um, Fira Rai gets the final blow, um, hits her, her staff into Dark Fern's throat, and then kind of pushes through and the body just crumbles away. Um, and this is actually right, this is the turn before Dark Fern was about to bring through the portal a big, dark, shadowy creature yeah uh which might have been really bad especially considering at this point opal has been knocked unconscious we know in D D rules it's unconscious they also say a couple of times you died we think you died so we'll have to talk about exactly what was happening there mm -hmm. um but as they finish off the enemies um some people show up at the edge of the glade and help finish off the last scorpion and an elven woman in a purple robe who seems to be the leader basically says, what have you done? <laughs> uh, and that's where the episode goes to a break. I plan on that being very quick. That actually ended up being very long. So um, that's critical role, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you take it from there. What happens okay. after the break? Yeah. So when we come back from the break, um, we're given this moment with Fern. Uh, she actually makes an arcana check and rolls really high. And Abria says that she looks through the gate and although the shadows are like dissipating away, uh, like the magical energy of it is, he says that she noticed a figure stands like at a as a sentinel in like the back of Fern's mind, and Fern actually recalls this figure, and we're given this name of the unforgiving High War Queen of the Burning Veil, matriarch of the Seely Court, and what? And she says that as the gate fades, so does this like recollection Fern has, um. So not sure if Fern like actually remembers that she remembers that or not. We'll talk about it later, but crazy moment. And so after we get that little quick tidbit, we then cut to um, Opal, who again is unconscious. And so we're this is kind of taking place in like the theater of Opal's mind. She's in um, like a dark place and all of a sudden she finds herself face to face with Ted. And <clears throat> the two basically get into kind of this emotional argument. Exactly. And it actually was like, Abria and Amy kind of busted out the acting chops. They like really killed this moment um, mm -hmm. in, a, in a good way, <laughs> not a bad way. And um, basically Opal is mad at Ted because Ted, you know, she couldn't use her magic when she needed to. And Ted's mad at Opal for like not just being able to say sorry and like being so stubborn to the point where like she might literally die because of it. And mm -hmm. um, basically it's just this big sibling you know, type of argument where um, Opal kind of resents Ted for always like clinging on to her and, you know, being like, you know, I'm sorry that like I was the the star of the show and you always were the second fiddle. And, mm -hmm. you know, Ted's like, you know, I never had a problem with that. I just, you know, I was happy just to give everything away to protect you. And Opal's like, I never asked you to do that. And um, like I said, basically normal sibling kind of fight but um abria tells uh amy that like opal you realize that like she actually is like deeply sobbing and feels like this true pain in her chest um referring to ted and so they start kind of to reconcile a little bit and she's like you know you make it out of this 
you know, you'll have your powers back and, you know, just please protect yourself. And um, they basically just cry and, you know, say that they love each other. And um, then we kind of snap back as to back in the real world. And um, Dariax is finishing off the evil mister doing like some cool theatrics with his killing blow and fire Rai is like hey is somebody gonna heal opal like if mr <laughs> dwarf isn't this your job like why aren't you taking care of this and he's like i was i was doing it i was doing it and uh so while they're kind of having that little spat fern just goes over and heals opal and that's kind of this all happening in like the same moment and so opal <clears throat> comes to from her unconscious conversation mm -hmm. with ted and uh with ted's final words being don't you fucking die mm -hmm. and um so Opal comes back and is like, what happened? And the party explains to her that, you know, she got knocked out. Uh, I think some of them even say that she died. But uh, again, you, you think you mentioned this. We'll talk about it later. But she's like, yeah, and you you were out. And so Opal then realizes that Ted was just telling her the truth, um, that she almost just died. And so she casts Eldritch Blast on a nearby stump to test and see if she has her magic. And uh, she indeed does. Um and then Abria has everyone in this moment call for a wisdom save. And Orem, Fern, and Opal all roll high enough that she says they feel a very strong connection with Fyra. That they didn't know her name or anything, but they have an, like, an intense familiarity with her. Like, something is there. Um, so then, like uh, Blake mentioned a second ago, we also have these other new people that have shown up. And so Orem and Fyra both get between everyone else in the party and these new mysterious elves. And um, the the leader basically walks up and introduces herself as Marata Nacelor. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Uh, and she's from Singorn. She explains that like this area is their woods and they're, you know, patrolling it, making sure what's going on here is on on the level and they're basically like what is happening here like what are you guys doing what have you done to these woods and they mentioned that they've never seen anything like this like the gate and like the fey energy and like the weird things that are happening here and um more elves behind her start fanning out and they the party notices that they've got these like big crystal like rod looking things and they're like shoving them in the ground in intervals like around this space and <coughs> They they're asking like what are those for? And they're like, you know, this is to clean up this magical mess that, you know, you've made here. Um Fyra then asks that, you know, where are you guys from? How far away is this Singorn place? You know, could could we perhaps rest there for the night and, you know, rest? And they find out that it's actually three or four days away, so they're like, Okay, we're not gonna do that. And then the party tells Fyra about the glitter shitter and she's like, All right, well, we'll go there. And um <laughs> So they're going to make their leave there. But before they do, um, Fern asks uh, Mirada, like what they've seen around here and like what like what's going on. And that's when Mirada says, you know, I've never seen this before, which is very strange, because like if these are their woods and they're familiar with them, you'd think they'd know about this like fey gate. Mm -hmm. But she's like, yep, don't know what's going on here. Never seen this and uh, kind of unsettled by it. And. Then we, we get this moment while these conversations are taking place that Opal um, gets her mind invaded by Mirada, who cast Detect Thoughts on her. And um, 
Abria has Amy say, like say, "Hey, what are you thinking about right now?" And Amy reveals that she was thinking about that conversation with Ted and her relationship with her sister. And then she kind of she feels this other presence in her mind, kind of like exploring those memories without her permission, and you know feels really like invaded and like betrayed. And she uh, realizes that it was Murata poking around in there, and she's like, "What are you doing?" And like Murata's like, "You know, I wanted to." find some stuff out and she basically gets really upset that you know like she had no uh consent for such a thing and so tempers start to flare but fire again kind of gets in between them as like you know we're going to be making our leave now and um so they do but the one last thing that uh happens is fern is like hey if you guys happen to go in that gate or you know see some stuff around here and you see my grandmother you know please tell her hello from me and uh it kind of Murata's kind of caught off guard by like the the what's the word um like kindness or like she didn't expect that from her so she kind of feels it's like she um empathizes a little bit with yeah she's like yeah no yeah like okay and uh she's like all right you know i will i will tell her that and uh if, if we see her and so then they're making their leave and we get this kind of revelation about Fyra in this moment that she um, she is able to like close her eyes and she she describes like closing her eyes and looking up at her eyelids. And th- this is like her way of communicating with something like maybe it's her God, maybe. I mean, who knows? We, we're not told anything, but she she does that to communicate with some higher power or some other power. And um, she she says that or it's revealed to her that one of this group has put a drop of thought like ink spreading in water into the rest of the group so mm. even though they're not going to go to singorn where those elves are from this isn't over yet which very cryptic and i'm sure we'll dive mm. into it later but so then the party make their leave um <clears throat> they head back to the the glitter shitter as it were um and on this walk, we have a few moments here. Um, Orem is kind of concerned about Fern and the Stark Circlet since everything he just saw with the dark version of Fern. And he kind of like gets near her and is like, you know, concentrating. Like you can see he's like in deep thought about like looking at the circlet, looking back to Fern. And Fern kind of notices that she's doing this. And she kind of, they kind of have a moment where she like places her hand on his cheek and, um, you know, as uh, no, no words are spoken, I don't think, but definitely some vibes. Um, (laughs) ship it exactly and meanwhile (laughs) uh opal too is eyeing the circlet and says she's considering her options whatever that means and dorian notices her kind of staring at this and he kind of walks over and tries to connect with her and she's still kind of mad that he hasn't revealed anything about his past and so she's not really trying to you know have him come get up in her business uh but he just says you know i could tell from the way you were arguing during the fight like I, he's like, I know that fight. That's a sibling fight. And he's like, you know, I have a brother. I understand. So if you ever mm-hmm. want to talk about it, I'm here for you. And she's like, okay. Um, so they make a, the long walk that they, they joke about, but they make the long walk back. And uh, Fyra finally formally introduces herself. She says she's this protector of sorts and that they don't know her, but she knows them, but she doesn't know how she knows them or why she knows them. But hopefully her actions in that battle have spoken louder than any words could, and she's proved that she's trustworthy, that she's here to help. And uh, Orm rolls an insight check on this, and um, 
he rolls really well and he gleans that you know she's being completely sincere and earnest in in what she does and doesn't know um so they're like okay you know what she can come with us and uh Darius lets her know what they're doing that they're traveling to these ruins of konira and when Fyra finds that out, she she laughs and she says, so this is why we journey together and they just jump up all in the wagon and set off. So seemingly in that moment, you know, she maybe had like a, a click, a clicking, like mm-hmm. some sort of understanding there. Um, <clears throat> so back in the wagon, back on the road to Byroden, uh, we get about another week and a half of travel and they finally arrive. And in the in the back of the wagon, Dorian's showing how Dariax how to juggle, still kind of going <laughs> in on his on his carny folk thing. Yeah. And uh, they make it to the gates and Opal's like, hey, let us in. And they're like, Opal? Opal who? And it basically just easing her. And we basically get the idea that, okay, Byroden is a small enough town where like everyone knows everyone. And Opal's embarrassed to be coming back because she hasn't, like, accomplished what she wants to accomplish yet. You know, she's returning home without her glory yet, as it were. Um, so they're ribbing her. But they, they come in, and basically as soon as they're in the gates, this uh, lady runs up to the cart, presumably having heard the fact that Opal's name was just mentioned. And she was like, Opal? Opal, are you in there? And uh, we come to find out that this is Ruby Lee Beckford, wife of the War Ringer and head of the festivities. And festivities there are because as we pull into the the city you can see that there's like this big fair and like tents and like lots of activity happening and uh opal basically lets them know like oh yeah this is the gem of by pageant that we have every year it's basically just a big fair and you know there's a pageant and there's a lot going on and uh so ruby runs up and she's like oh my gosh are you gonna be competing today and uh you know, basically is just so excited to see her. And she's like, oh my gosh, you're here. Uh, when is Ted coming back? And Opal's like, wait, Ted, Ted's not here? And uh, Ruby reveals that, oh yeah, she's not here. She left shortly after you did. Everyone around here just assumed that, you know, you guys met up at some point in Amon or something. And so um, Opal's like, oh, okay, interesting. She, uh, I thought she was here. Um, so... <laughs> Then Ruby's telling everybody that, you know, welcome to the to the festival. And but she takes a keen notice of Orem and she's like, oh, my gosh, you are way too skinny. Come with me. And she just starts trying <laughs> to feed him food. And there's like a big pie festival happening at the at the fair. And uh, he's like, I've never had pie. And so everyone's like, what? And so all these vendors are trying to give him little slices of pie to try and get his reaction on them. And it's just a great <laughs> segment. And he like starts having the, the sweats and just is so full and basically becomes High like, a, yeah, and becomes like a mini celebrity amongst the food vendors. Yeah. And uh, but while that's happening, meanwhile, Opal continues to explain like the pageant to everybody else. And Dorian's like, Oh yeah, we had stuff like this where I was from too. And Fyra um, once again, does her eye communication thing and asks like, do we have time for this? And the voice or whatever in her head, you know, lets her know that, you know, this is the last bit of comfort you guys will have before you, before the road ahead. So like, enjoy it basically. And so mm-hmm. fire is like, opens her eyes and looks at Opal and is like, okay, you know, like tell us more, lead the way. And, um, I, if you'd like to take it from there, just go up on the pageant, baby. Yeah. It was very ominous by the way of, um, Fira being like, should we really be doing this? And just that strong sense of, it this is literally the last sort of moment of happiness you're going to have. I was very yeah. ominous. So yeah, it was. 
but yeah, so then after this, they have the pageant and um, they're informed that the pageant's basically three parts. It's the interview, the talent show, and evening wear. And um, Opal, uh, Fern, Dorian, and Dariax all decide, hey, we're going to enter into the pageant. Um, and we'll mention this later, but for the talent show portion, they do decide, well, we don't want to compete with Opal. So we'll just perform with her for that section, even though like some of the... Um, one of the employees of the pageant is kind of like for uh, MSI, Bria actually has characters for them to play um, uh, just so that they're still part of the uh, event. Uh, Liam gets to be the absolute best person in Exandria, uh, bright bow. And uh, Anjali is going to be Lyle Vester, who is, um, well, I'll just describe both of them real quick. So Cinna is this blonde dwarven woman who runs a jewelry shop. Her family has lived there for 100 years, and she actually won this competition about 15 years earlier. Um, Lyle Vester seems to be some kind of, I got the sense of like a high school rival. Yeah. yeah, it seems like they really hate each other. They've competed <laughs> against each other before in the past. And she's really the um, Gary Oak to our... Um, <laughs> I can't think of the main character. Uh, Ash Ketchum. Uh, Ash Ketchum. Yeah, he's sort of the, yeah it's, it's, they are the, um, the dueling people in this pageant. Yeah. So for the interview portion, Cynica uh, is, is brought up and she's asked... Um, or Ruby asked in this great Southern accent, she's like, if you were a gym, what kind of gym <laughs> would you be? And Cinna, who's being played by Liam O'Brien, who is so freaking good in this section, but says I would be an, it has this awesome Irish accent, yeah. uh, says I would be an emerald green like the city and the crowd just like, oh yeah, we <laughs> love you. Um, Dariax goes up and is um, basically asked, um, uh, oh, and, and by the way, he decides he wants to change his clothes using his cloak, but he's not sure what to wear going out for this section. So he actually copies exactly what Dorian's <laughs> wearing. And um, it's this really awesome, great outfit. And everyone actually loves it. Even though it's not the evening wear section, they're like, this guy looks good. And people are so <laughs> yeah. like, so appreciative of like how good he looks that like, Dorian sort of on the side, like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, that is my outfit. Yeah, great. <laughs> but separate from that, he's at Dariax has asked the same question. If you were a gym, what kind would you be? And, you know, being our low intelligence, low <laughs> wisdom character, Dariax misunderstands and says that he would be a uh, peach jam. <laughs> the crowd is kind of like, uh, you know, it's definitely miscongeniality vibes. Uh, but so they're all like, yeah, we love food. And so they're all like, yeah, okay. Peach jam. <laughs> um, so the crowd really likes it. Although Ruby's kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. Um, next up is Opal. Who's wearing this really beautiful outfit. Asked the same question. And she says that she would be a Ruby because they're beautiful and the color, and they're the color of the heart. And she's obviously just trying to appease, uh, or appeal to Ruby herself, who seems to be kind of the main judge of this pageant. Yeah. Um, Dorian is next and he's really upset about Dariax <laughs> taking his outfit. So he grabs the cloak from him and decides he's going to make his own outfit. 
But as he's putting it on, he's looking at Dariax, and he actually ends up sort of unwittingly copying Dariax's clothes for himself. And it's all the wrong sizes. It like doesn't fit at all. And so he comes out, and everyone's kind of like, "Are you are you good? Like, do you need to um, you know change or anything?" Um, but so, and then it totally flubs this section. He looks bad. He gets asked the same question, and he <laughs> says, "I'd be a diamond because it's hard like me." <laughs> I couldn't even get that out without laughing. He says, "It's hard. It's hard like me." And then everyone's kind of like, "Ah." You know, like what? And then he's like, "Oh, I mean, um, an opal. An opal is my favorite gem." <laughs> uh, after the section, we see Ly- Lyle Vester really um, rip on Opal. She's like, "Oh, it's so good to see you." Yeah, and um, you know, kind of gives her a hard time for leaving. Um, and then when she goes up on stage, she gets asked a different question and says, "You know, what does by Rodin mean to you?" And she starts talking about how it's like the best place in the world. And you can tell she's she's leading up to saying, but most of all, it's home. Yes. With like this really great line. Well, Dariax actually uses <laughs> thaumaturgy to make it sound like she's farting through the whole speech. <laughs> and Ruby and the crowd are kind of like, Ruby especially is like, you know, yep, you know, I get it. We're, we're dairy folk. <laughs> you know, we get it. You know, just get yourself taken care of maybe. No big deal. Uh, and Opal actually gives Dirac a really big kiss for this, just out of appreciation for it. <laughs> and then Fern comes up and she's asked, what's your favorite flower? And she says an oleander because it has so many uses. It's pretty, it smells good, and it can kill someone. <laughs> Ruby's like, yep, oh, I get it. I've been married more than once. <laughs> Which props to Abria for just the, the back and forth. Yeah. So they have that section. Next up is the talent portion. Uh, and again, they all decide, you know what? Let's help Opal with her section, mm-hmm. um, which the person who they're talking to is like someone that Opal knew from high school who's like backstage is kind of like, okay, that's not really quite what we do, but yeah. sure, that's fine. Uh, so first we have Lyle Vester comes up. She's on a pony. She's <laughs> prancing around. Dariax once again uses his magic. I guess he used like mage hand yeah, to so. basically grab the horse's testicles <laughs> <laughs> and the horse bucks and, and throws Lyle off, but she lands gracefully and the crowd goes crazy. Um, <laughs> and again, Opal's like, thank you, Dariax. Um, Senna's up and she's wearing this green mask and a cape. She brings up this big block of ice and she's like looking for an assistant. She's like, look, my assistant and Orem, who's like having the, the pie sweats is kind of like me. <laughs> Brings up Orem, and it's such a great scene because now Liam is acting himself, engaging with himself. Yeah. But it's like, this is my assistant, and brings up Orem and ties him to the block of ice and turns to the crowd and says, will the halfling live or will he die? And everyone's kind of like, wait, wait, what? And Fira Rai and the crowd is actually like trying to push her way through to make sure that he is safe and okay. So... um, uh, Cinna throws the first axe and it just barely misses his head by a couple of centimeters. And everyone's kind of like, oh my gosh, what do we like? What do we do? What do we do? And before we like, why everything's crazy and intense. And it's like, what do we even do? Um, Cinna, Liam O'Brien just interrupts everyone talking and says, you know, let's have another go and <laughs> throws a second axe. Um, and uh, this one also. Uh, uh, let me catch the details here because I can't remember. Uh, yeah, each one beat his AC and they land perfectly right above his head, right between his legs. And then the final one, which was a natural 20, uh, lands right next to his necks, his neck, um, all while Fira Rai is trying to get up and make sure he's okay. Crowd is going nuts. Uh, <laughs> stage dives uh, to the crowd and gets <laughs> surfed away, basically. 
Um, so Opal and the crew are next. They have this performance. Um, Opal is playing a really soft, beautiful song, and Abria lets her know that like the crowds are, crowds are really not vibing with it because they had just mm-hmm. a, this incredible, intense moment with Cinna, and now it's come down really far. Yeah. Um, so um, what ends up happening is um, she does. She's having this heartfelt moment. She's saying, "I missed you all. I'm so glad to be home." Uh, the performance is really it's a it's a it's a low roll moment anyway, and so the rest of the team basically come out and hype it up. And um, you know, Fan, Fern has her pan flute. Uh, Derek is slamming a spear on the ground to the tune <laughs> of the beat, and uh, just trying to get like the crowd going. Yeah. And um, uh, Opal makes her final performance check and gets a dirty twenty. So Lyle's disappointed, and Opal basically being like, you know, you cheated. Mm-hmm. Um, basically says, you know, the world's changed you. Um, Ted said this would happen before she left. So we're getting more insight into Ted. And um, Derek basically stands up for her and says, yeah, if you don't have any friends, it is better to perform solo. <laughs> and then basically makes another Lyle fart sound <laughs> as she's walking away. Um, lastly, we have the evening wear portion where they're supposed to wear their best outfits. And uh, last year's winner comes out on stage. It's this person named Olive Answer Fields. He's wearing this long uh, cape, black armor, and pauldrons. And Opal's like, yeah, we dated in high school. Um, Derek is going to go out first, but he realizes, oh, crap, I already used my awesome outfit originally when I stole Dorian's outfit. And so he decides to um, basically look like a tin man, which he uses (laughs) the cloak to make himself look like he's made out of tin. He comes out. And everyone's kind of like, what? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, this this is... And so they're kind of just like, okay. Which Opal, feeling bad for him, comes out, tries to hype it up, and the crowd's like, okay, yeah, that was okay. Um, Dorian is next, and he decides to wear his original outfit that Dariax has stolen, and he takes off his cloak, and basically the bottom line, dude is like jacked. Um, (laughs) Opal's like, you're hot. Like, he looks really good. And he struts out, and um, uh, he also wears his shoe, his boots. Excuse me, that are he says they're winged boots, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, and he uses the boots to levitate and basically walk above the stage on the air. Uh, the crowd just goes nuts for it. Um, he's actually kind of embarrassed by how much affection is being shown his way. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Lyle is next. She comes out in this beautiful ball gown. She has these fireflies that are in the folds that are flying up, uh, as she's spinning and dancing. Um, and actually Derek's himself is so like, oh dang, you look good that yeah. he doesn't, he like forgets to mess with her this time. Um, Opal comes out with the big dress with lots of tool and it has an armored chest plate. Uh, Fira Rai casts this orange glow on her as she's walking around. Uh, the crowd loves it. She looks beautiful. And then Cinna comes up next, comes out on the stage <laughs> swinging on a rope, does a flip uh, off the rope. And she's wearing a green dress. And she's like, I don't even care if I win. I just love you all so much. <laughs> and uh, again, everyone just goes nuts for this. Um, and then Fern comes out in a similar outfit from before, but she's like ripped off parts of it uh, to make herself look um, uh I guess more uh, sexier. Yeah. And uh, even does like primal savagery with like her claws and her fangs. Um, and so that is basically the pageant. So the results are tallied. Everyone comes back up on stage. Cinna gets revealed to basically get third place. It's a huge crime. Stop the steal. Um, yeah. Lyle is given what we realize is basically the first, uh, or excuse me, the next, the actual runner up. 
and it's the the title is called the gym of our hearts and it's basically the person who takes over um the gym of byroden role if the winner can't for some reason and then the winner is crowned and it turns out to be opal and she says how much she loves the town and accepts the crown and she actually goes up to her room into um uh sees ted's bed and basically sets the crown on ted's bed and walks out and the crowd excuse me the, the the party ends up you know drinking and enjoying the rest of the night um meanwhile orem kind of gets away to a quiet place and begins um practicing his his um his strikes basically and he uh remembers basically who he is in this moment um and in this moment the backdrops lit up and we've these are mentioned earlier in the episode when they first come into the town but these statues of um vex and vax from um uh What's the name? I almost said, what's the name of the band? Vox <laughs> uh, Machina? Vox Machina, yeah. So, uh, and then there is a post credit scene, and uh, Abria basically says, Ted looks down, down into the darkness around her, within her. She feels so close to home, though she can't touch it. She feels alone, despite her existence within and beside Opal. She feels the seed of potential, of purpose. The seed begins to grow. <sighs> And that is episode four of Alexandria Unlimited. Well done, man. You knocked the pageant part out of the park. Dude, I, uh, it feels like there's just so much to cover. And like, and like there's also stuff we leave on the table. Maybe for our listeners, if you're still tracking with us, let us know in the comments if you like this longer recap form or if uh, we definitely like telling the story. Mm-hmm. But if you prefer a um, shorter version, um, let us know that too. And Will, my good friend, I apologize. I have to pee. <laughs> <laughs> I've got okay. to pay. Okay, so, go for it. Um, talk amongst I'll yourselves. Just a second. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One second. Um, but yeah, for real, let us know because it, it's hard to it's hard to kind of gauge how in depth to go because like 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 Blake said, we love doing it, and I I could I could probably talk about the episode for longer than the episode runs, which is an impressive feat given critical roles runtime. Um, but so like for me, like I love an in-depth recap, but I know from some people, they just might want like a five minute version. I think the one we probably just did was probably closer to like 40. Um, we'll have to see when we go back and edit it out. Um, but yeah, please, please let us know. Do you like the long recap? Do you like the in-depth one? Or would you much prefer just a quick one that hit the main points and, you know, could, could be told in a few minutes. Um, so we, we would love to know. Um, but again, uh, since we just talked about it, that final moment with Orem and uh, him practicing with the backdrop of like the fair and the festivities happening in the background uh, and the lit up statue of Vax and Vex. I just thought that was such a cool moment, especially like I know they're not I don't think there was anything. I don't think there's anything like implied in that moment of like a connection or anything, but I just loved the like meta connection of like Liam kind of finding himself while the freaking statue of his last characters in the background. I just loved it. <sighs> Welcome back. What I missed. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, I was like, good. there's so much I want to unpack and I knew I couldn't do it with pea brain basically. <laughs> it, it's fine. It's a thing just like uh, bacon lips, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, dude, what a 
freaking amazing episode. Like I said, um, definitely my favorite one thus far. And what do you want to talk about first? I mean, what do you want to jump into? Oh, man, I don't know. I really don't even know that. I guess we, we got to say it again, though, that Liam killed it. Like, then it was robbed, I honestly. Um, yeah, he, it. Yeah, watching him was so fun. And my wife actually watched a lot of the episode, too. And it's it's always fun when someone who's not familiar with Critical Role gets like firsthand exposure to just the acting chops of the people on the show. Yeah. Not just Liam, but you mentioned Abria and Amy, right. which that back and forth happens so quickly. So for them to have the dialogue and just the retorts, I mean, that was really great. And then I got to say it again, Ash- Ashley Johnson's Wow, I can't talk. Ashley Johnson's her reactions, like you can tell she's so in it just on her face. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's great seeing these people play their characters and other characters, I guess. Agreed. I mean, Liam should look into voice acting, I think. You know, he's, <laughs> he's pretty good at it. Yeah, he's pretty good. Um but yeah, uh, I want to just too. Do you want to just start at the at the start and just pick on like the things that we really liked or Yeah, sure. Does that, that work or Sounds like a good plan. I just liked on the um basically the carriage ride away how they were having such bad luck rolling. Yeah. And we didn't mention this in the recap, but there were some natural ones. Um I think Dariax had a 2 that was turned down to a 1. And I think when they finally, I think when Orem basically was trying to take over to when they got the horses to slow down and ride off, I think Abria even said like, you know, I'm not going to make you roll because I'm I'm afraid of yes. <laughs> basically us being stuck here. Yes. Um, so they have had such bad rolls. Matt, especially, I feel like has rolled so bad, like the entire campaign. I, I think he's mentioned that like anytime he's a player that happens to him, but he's such a good sport about it. You know, like he always just plays right into it. Yeah. I think that's again, like a thing about D and D is like, it can be really frustrating to have this really cool moment in your head and you really want to make something really awesome happen. And then you roll and it's like a one or a two or something just super low. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that ruins it for me. But these guys do a great job of basically just letting it roll off them and be like, okay, well, <laughs> it just is what it is, I guess. And I think everyone but Matt made up for it. Um, Orem had some natural 20s. Ashley had some natural 20s. There were some really high rolls, uh, yeah, especially were. in the fight with Dark Fern, that seemed to balance it out. Yeah, very true. They're all... They're all... They roll with the punches no matter like any way it goes. And that's part of what makes them so good, I think, is, you know, just kind of like you mentioned, this is kind of like sort of connecting it, just like the improbability, I guess, mm-hmm. of, you know, being able to have those great acting moments, but also being able to like roll with the natural one and what that might mean for what's happening. So mm-hmm. now, do you think, I mean, are they, are they being followed, do you think, by the nameless ones or... I mean, ultimately, yes. I, I, I mean, I would have to, like, Posca's, you know, not going to let that just slide, right? So I don't know if they, like, actively have somebody watching their every move, but I think, like, they are definitely, like, she's after them. So. Right. Uh, and now, okay, well, I don't want to get to that yet. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think they're being followed. But, like I said, probably not, like, 
there's not somebody in the bushes right now type of thing, but right. like they're definitely being right. pursued, I guess. That's right. a good word to put it. Yeah. So what do you think about the scene of getting pulled to the Fey gate? Yeah. Interesting. When <clears throat> just that, just everything that happened there. Right. Like, so I, when she first said she remembered it, I was like, Oh yeah, I bet this is like where she came out of the Feywild or whatever. But the fact that she, she felt blah, blah, the fact that she felt pulled to it, I was just imagining that like, she's familiar with that magic. She's familiar with like that portal. And it's just like a familiarity thing. But then when she started like actually like being drawn to it, I was like, okay, maybe like there's something happening there. Like maybe it's active. Maybe somebody else is coming through and that's kind of what we got. But then once we actually got like this evil version of Fern that is from the future, like I'm completely lost. I have no idea what's happening there. And I, I imagine it's all tied that like maybe even the evil dark Fern is the one mm -hmm. that was pulling her there to like, I mean, since yeah. her hand had to go through it for her to come out, like maybe she needed Fern to be able to pass through, and that's why she was getting pulled there. I don't know. I have I have a ton of questions. Do you have any thoughts on like what was it's, happening there? This is definitely like the perfect example of like I wonder. Okay, what would have happened? Because you have, I, I think you're spot on that she, it wasn't just like an attraction to the Feywild that was like, oh, I want to check this out, but like a literal pull. Yeah. And even when Dark Fern is defeated, I'm not going to say killed, but I'm going to say defeated because um, I don't know if we've seen the last of her. But when she's defeated, we even have um, this moment of the War Queen who basically emotes a disappointment or a frustration that Dark Fern has failed. Yeah. And so to me, that I think your spot on that Dark Fern has been, has been sort of like pulling, tugging on her to come to this spot. But I think about things of like, what would have happened? Like she put her hand in, she smelled the burning smell and she pulled her hand back out. What if she had, what if Ashley had been like, I step all the way through? Yeah. I mean, what happens then? You know, or with the crown, which she realized afterwards that she actually would not have been able to pull the crown off her. But what if she had rolled a natural 20 for pulling the crown off Dark Fern? Like things like that are really interesting to me because you just wonder what, I mean, what happened was still great, but you wonder, it leaves so much on the table in terms of, man, this was just a crazy, crazy set of moments. Yeah. And do you, do you think it actually was like a dark fern from the future or was that like manipulation? Um, Cause I, I, I can't, think it, I don't know. I think it was a dark fern because of the line on, or if you arise to something like, you know, you'll fail this time or something like that. And Dark Fern says, you know, that's the funny thing about time. I've already killed, I've killed you all already, which you're just like, so they've, they've had this moment happen before, I guess. See, I wasn't convinced um, of that interpretation, but it could be, but it could also okay, just well, be that like, and I don't want to, I don't want to steer you off track if you had a point you were making there. No, no, no. I usually just aimlessly talk. Okay. So. <laughs> so it could mean exactly that. Like th this moment has happened before and Dark Fern kills them in this moment, right? But I also, I kind of interpreted it as if this really is like a Dark Fern from the future, then you know, oh. some, like perhaps in Dark Fern's past, yes. she maybe killed all of them. And that's like what led her to become what she is now. Yeah. Okay. That does, 
Okay, yeah, that makes your your version makes a lot more sense. Let <laughs> <laughs> so me like, go back to the recap and like that section where I was like, "What's the what's the changing variable?" <laughs> Fear arise the variable. <laughs> it's like, wait, well, what? Well, it is interesting that Fear arise is you know that like Fern wasn't familiar with her. I don't know. We're getting into weird time travel stuff, which we've been talking about Loki. So like, I guess we're primed for it. But I don't know. It, it's it gets. Like, I don't know how seriously they're taking these, like, time travel rules. If it even is indeed time travel. Like, again, maybe it's just, like, a manipulation. I don't know. But I guess maybe putting the crown on is maybe what, like, led to her killing everyone else or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, like, we're going, like, time travel isn't really a thing that's been explored. So this is just weird territory, I feel like, all around. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what... To think about it i guess let me ask you this as the since you're the veteran of cr1 and cr2 the first two campaigns um the war queen mm-hmm. is this a character we've seen before been referenced before mentioned before um mentioned the sealy court like what what are these things what's the burning veil um i don't think so Okay. Like I don't think this character has ever been referenced before. Now it's possible so then, that what a drop then, uh, yeah. like a name drop, I guess. Yeah, like it got like she's got more titles than Khaleesi, and apparently is like <laughs> apparently is super important or powerful at least. So I I don't know. I think like some of those like the Burning Veil slash the Sealy Court may have been mentioned at one point or another, but it's definitely not like something people are. We're, we'd be intimately familiar with but, but perhaps it has been mentioned at some point but yeah none of that really meant anything to me other than like ominous dark warmonger and just the, the unforgiving is the beginning of that title which is just like okay and so is i guess the implication is that this person the war queen is who was orchestrating all of this mm-hmm. and is she connected to the spider queen or is the circlet just kind of like the AK 47 that they happen to be using and isn't really connected to it in, in, in the whole, like, are these all machinations of the spider queen ultimately? I don't know. Yeah. I, it'd be interesting if it is the same queen, it seems like it seems to me since it's already been referenced as the spider queen to then change the name would be interesting to now refer to her as the war queen. Yeah. So my interpretation is that it's a separate faction and it, I was going to say that it always, it seems like they're all vying for the crown in some way, but on the same token, dark fern was really trying to get fern to come through the portal and, yeah. and not really like, Hey, Dariax, you come through cause Dariax has it. Right. right. And so it seems, I, I say vying for the circlet, but maybe not. It seems like fern is a really important piece to, um, this person's plans. Uh, I did. I did had my Jamie moment of like, Jamie, pull this up for us. Um, I googled because I hadn't looked it up yet. Uh, the War Queen and just whatever I could see, um, and there's nothing. There's nothing on it. And so I guess it is a new character, hmm. which for me, it's it's. We've been talking about the stakes of the show. I mean, the stakes have from episode one have been high. To me, it's it's. Again, it's, it feels like every scene and every episode keeps the stakes keep going higher and higher because now I have all these questions on who is the war queen and what are what are her what's her motivations. Um, and I also wonder 
if the sigil is somewhat related to the war queen yeah i mean probably i mean at least tangentially you'd think but like yeah like you said the stakes are high we got and i'm sorry not to keep waxing on this but time travel like that I feel like there's that's like the biggest can of worms you could possibly open and now we're there yeah and uh, i don't know it's you make a good point about like they wanted fern you know she was like fern come with me and fern doesn't have the circlet so it seems like this maybe ties into the grander mystery of the show about like what the hell is even happening before session one that we aren't privy to like what were they doing in the crater and stuff like maybe this is all tied together and i know we kind of speculated that maybe fern has some larger part to play here that perhaps she doesn't remember because they're missing some of their memories and you know we know for certain that her memories have been manipulated at least in the sense of the memory of her coming from the feywild she was like it was masked by another mm -hmm. memory and we also know that she pulled mister out with that power of the crater which is the same thing that the the bad guy did that killed a bunch of those fire tamers so there's like yeah what little things here that might point to her sure. fern having some purpose here and evil mm -hmm. fern is trying to like facilitate that or something i don't know maybe stop her from fulfilling that purpose i, yeah. I don't know um i do wonder that moment where fewer excuse me fern has the arcana check and has this sense of the war queen and the, the presence of the war king war queen excuse me and abria basically says um as this moment passes so does your knowledge of yeah of this to me it made me wonder if this sort of like memory wiping memory implantation whatever it is is somehow related to the war queen which i don't know and it, it was also interesting how this episode seemed to confirm because we've talked a lot about does the party know what happened in the crater and they're just not talking about about it like a, mm -hmm. a session zero that we didn't see yeah or is it also part of the things are fuzzy but we also know we have some details that we are there but for some weird rp reason we don't really necessarily talk about it and it seems like it's the latter that even when they meet Furai, it's like, okay, we we don't know you, but we know you. Right. And same thing for Furai. It's like, okay, I know you guys, but I don't really know how I know you. Um, which woman, woman in dark clothing with hair of fire, this is Furai, right? From the the memory in the crater. Oh, it, it oh, I hadn't put that together, but you think she might have been the one the fire tamers were talking about? I because we talked about the fire tamers positioned it as an an evil person I think or someone who was and you and I talked about in the last episode maybe that was just the impression but it was actually someone who was there to help and the descriptions are very similar because um, I mean Fira Rai literally has fire for hair that is true um, and I think you even mentioned her outfit was darker darker clothing and so I for me I thought okay that that must be the crater person which I don't know if it is or not but. Mm it would make sense how they know each other if they've already had this moment in the crater from session zero. That is a super interesting uh, point. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. So yeah, I mean, it totally could be. Um, and maybe, I don't know, like clearly Fira is able to be like summoned, teleported, or just appears where she's needed or something. That's the impression I got that, 
you know she just appeared in that forest in that moment because like yeah she was and maybe that has something to do with time travel too like maybe we're playing like maybe we're really just actually playing in that sandbox and maybe that's why there's some issues was was there something also about um i thought whenever she was being at some point in the scene uh which fear rye was such a great character by the way um gilmore got mentioned and like gilmore shop got mentioned and i couldn't I didn't fully grasp if they were saying that Fiorai knew Gilmore or was sent by Gilmore or something. Do you do you remember what I'm talking about at all? Yeah, I think it was I it was when they get back to the cart and she sees the cart and she's like, um, oh well this is conspicuous or something like that. But I think I had the same thought, but when I was going through making the notes for the recap, I think her acknowledgement moment was to the ruins of kinara because that's when she says oh this is why we journey together it was right after the gilmore moment but i think yeah. that i think that her recognition was to the ruins not to gilmore yeah okay because that made me wonder if like was she sent by gilmore to protect the party or something it was very confusing i'll have to go back and check it again but regardless it seems like there's some common thread that isn't and this has been a running theme of the show of like these, these running, these common threads that seem to be implied, but not outright stated. Yeah. And it definitely makes us wonder as the audience, okay, what's really going on here? I know. And it really is just crazy that like, it really hasn't been touched on like only very, very lightly. Like there's this like grand mystery in this show and like, they're like not holding the audience's hand at all. But I mean, I get maybe it's possible that we are, Mephistoing reaching really far and like this is not even part of the show we're not supposed to be having these questions but I don't know it seems like seems like we are and Mm -hmm. I don't know and I think even I don't remember the exact moment so maybe I'm just making this up but in one of the early episodes maybe the first one even uh, I think Abria even mentioned that like someone that you felt like hey we're missing someone you remember that See, now I don't want to be making this up either because it's one of those things like the sleeper effect where someone's like, didn't this happen? You're like, yeah, I think it did. And then you go back and it never happened. (laughs) But I think I know, I think you're right. I don't know. It feels like, yeah, there's something. So I feel like that was obviously Peter, right? And you, you already made this super interesting point that maybe she was the lady down there, which, I mean, if they do know her, seemingly that's where they know her from, right? Not that she mm-hmm. has to be that same lady, but like she, they probably know her from that time when their memories are messed up. And that's why they like kind of recognize her, but don't really. Right. So, ah, I don't know. And this might be completely unrelated, but it is interesting that she's level four. So higher, like two levels higher than them when she first is introduced. And now I guess. I, I wonder if that was a typo though, or some mistake. Cause at the end, oh, yeah, uh, we did in the recap. Yeah, Abria says, hey, you're all level three, which I was like, well, crap, that ruins my theory on yeah, right? like, <laughs> them ah. being higher level um, and just being like wiped from it. But um, even she rolls and there's this right. thing about she's rolling her hit die and it falls. It, she like, I guess it goes out of her little bin or whatever. And she's oh, like, yeah. oh, does this, does this still count? And Abria's like, I don't care what you do, <laughs> which uh, Abria could be a little feisty with her players. She's like, I'm not going to. I think yeah. I think maybe it's, it's Dorian uh, or Robbie who is like, you know, like, you know, do I, what's this, 
how's this work for like health? And she's like, you know, you could take the average. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's like teasing him. Um, you know, but my players, you know, they roll or something <laughs> like that. Um, so the feistiness was funny, but, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, four episodes left. We're definitely getting, we're, we're kind of losting a little bit. We're like yeah. every episode is adding more questions than answers. And that's not to imply we're heading to like some like ultimately unsatisfying ending. But I do wonder, it does make me wonder, okay, in four episodes, what questions will we legitimately get answered and what is being designed for maybe CR3 content? Yeah, uh, great question. I'm, I'm starting, I think there definitely could be implications for C3. Like, I think that's clear. I mean, she's playing with the world, and so she there might be ripple effects. But I think it's not just going to be a pure setup. Like, I think there will be, like, a resolution. This feels like kind of her own whole thing. And I don't, mm-hmm. I feel like she would want to have her own ending as opposed to, like, mm-hmm. you know, leaving it up for that or whoever to address later. Yeah, and I wonder, I wonder if we'll get some sort of cliffhanger, almost like a seasonal cliffhanger where episode eight ends um, and next year, hey, we're releasing another eight episodes of mm. this story. I mean, have they said, have they said yet if, I know they said it's, it's an eight, they said, hey, we're telling the story in eight episodes, but have they made comments on like, this, this is the end of that story or, because they can't, they can't tie up every plot thread in four episodes, right? I mean, I don't know. I guess it's 16 hours, ideally, of... I, I mean, there will definitely still be questions, no matter what, right? But I think that's just, like, how the, the medium works. Like, you're not... Everything's not going to be answered. But I think that's okay. But I'm ho- hopefully, like, these huge looming questions that we're talking about will be, at least I hope. But no, mm. I don't think they've mentioned anything about plans for the future, other than that EXU is going to be, like, its own thing. But uh, the... The way they presented it so far is that, like, I imagine there will be, like, even a third DM, you know, not Matt or Bria, maybe somebody else, and then maybe a few other new players, and this will be just, like, a recurring thing they they do. That's my impression. But that it could easily be that they bring back the exact same people for a quote-unquote season two. Like, that, that wouldn't surprise me either. Or maybe they, they even announced that or anything. Yeah, or maybe some of these, you know, quote, villains that are getting introduced into the show... Maybe they'll show up for someone else's party yeah. later on. I don't know. Yeah. Which, speaking of villains, you know, I'm really intrigued by the War Queen. I'm really, you know, Liam had this awesome moment of um, his natural twenty on Dark Fern, mm-hmm. and he's he gets he gets pretty he gets beat up pretty bad. Um, I misremembered the moment because you mentioned it was later on when they're about to get to the cart that. Fern puts her hand on his on his face. I thought it was, you know, he's they're healing uh, Opal, and someone asks like, "How are you doing?" And he's like, "I'm pretty, pretty beat up," which he was. And Dark Fern, or Dark Fern, Fern in that moment <laughs> does it out of like a um, appreciation for, um, regardless of when it was. I just I was like, "Yeah, I'm ready to ship this. This is <laughs> this is a cool deal. I can take yeah. it." Is that what that was? Yeah. That's what I was reading into it. They like they are having a moment there, but I don't. I wasn't sure. I don't know if it was romantic. I think it was definitely because um, I mean, Orem realizes that Dark Fern wants Fern and steps up as which what an awesome like the image of this moment of this halfling 
who's purely defined by bravery in this moment, stepping yeah. up with his shield in front of Fern. Uh, that was a, it was a cool scene. It was a cool moment for sure. And um, besides that, though, Opal, I mentioned this in the recap. Did she die? Did she get knocked unconscious? We know D&D rules. Someone gets to zero health. They roll their death saving rolls, but they're not dead. They're just unconscious. Yeah. But I think Fern says, you know, you died. And she's like, oh, I really did die or something like that. Was that just RPing, like just flavor or what's going on here? I don't think she died. I think that that was just kind of flavor. And maybe you remember even how we talked about in, in one episode, maybe episode two, Fern revealed that like she's died a whole bunch of times. Like maybe Fern just doesn't really have a true understanding for like death versus like unconsciousness. Okay, um, that makes sense. But because uh, I was wondering that same thing, but I think it was just, you know, playing with the idea that like, you know, Ted thought she might be dying because here she is sitting unconscious in a battle like she might be at death's door, might die at any moment. Um, but then, you know, even Orem, Liam, as Orem speaks up, he's like, oh, you know, I don't think you were dead. You were just unconscious. Right. So right. <laughs> for my money, I think she wasn't actually there's no like weirdness there where she like actually died or anything. I just. think that was flavor from fern well speaking of ted were you surprised i mean i was we've talked a lot about ted and like who is ted exactly and even like is there something malicious here of like someone like feigning as her sister to manipulate her um we even talked about it being like her patron or something to that effect getting to by rodin and learning that there is or maybe was a ted and was actually her sister and left to follow her. I mean, that was a really, for me, that was a huge moment. Yeah, it's weird. There's a lot to unpack there, right? Because clearly there's this weird relationship that Opal and Ted have where she can communicate with her. She gives her powers. It's very strange, but Opal doesn't view it as strange. And in Opal's mind, through a few lines of dialogue that we've seen, she just thought Ted was still in Byroden, just chilling, like, but I guess she just thought they had some sort of cosmic connection that let them communicate. But we come to find out that Ted's not there. And Ted keeps making these comments about, like, you know, I gave up everything to be able to protect you. And so, like, I don't know, it's just weird that Opal doesn't, like, that Opal, like, accepts this weirdness, but then also doesn't really know what happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, you'd think that, like, if she knew she got powers and could talk to her this way, that like something, something must've happened. She wouldn't just assume that she was still living her normal life over there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, for my money, it seems like some sort of deal with the devil was made and perhaps Ted gave up her life, her physical existence in order to like get this magic for, for Opal and is like tied to either like literally Opal herself, or maybe she's like her essence is tied to that necklace or something. I don't know, but yeah, it's it's we- it's just weird to me that Opal is so oblivious to aspects of this. Yeah, that she wouldn't be like, "Hey, wait, how are you talking to me?" Or yeah, I and I wonder if the next scene we see that she's going to say, "Hey, Ted, where are you?" By the way, <laughs> yeah, like literally, where are you? Because it's 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 definitely strange that she's oblivious to it. That she seems to be unaware of Ted's ability to affect her magical ability mm-hmm. doesn't really make much sense but it was surprising that ted's a physical living creature at one point was it, right. i think you're right there's some deal with the devil made um which if that's true 
how much bigger a moment then of their argument where Opal, I don't think this was mentioned in the recap, but Opal basically says, how much longer do I have to take care of you? Mm-hmm. Like to Ted, which is a bit ironic because it seems like Ted has given everything to take care of Opal. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, because especially the, the fact that people in the town knew Ted, right? Because part of me was wondering, like, maybe Ted has never had a physical existence. And just for whatever reason, Opal is, like, manipulated or confused or whatever. But clearly she has, because people in the town know her. Ruby referenced her. Oh, I don't know. Was it weird that her dad wasn't around? It was kind of weird because I'm surprised we didn't have like a dad reunion moment because even the guard is like, oh, the person who never like writes her father or something yeah. like that. And I, I think you even wondered like, is this guard her dad? Yeah, she did. Yeah. Um, so I was surprised we didn't get any kind of reunion there. That's a good point because, yeah, hmm. and I, I still feel, and th- we 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 talked about this a lot more in our last episode, but uh, you know, there was that little reveal about how Opal's dad has been to the ruins of Kinara and came back naked and afraid. And we kind of weren't sure if that was just like a fun flavor moment that Opal was adding to like be inclusive in the conversation, or if that like literally is like a piece of her backstory that could potentially be a, like a clue or a hint to something bigger. But um, if the latter, you know, maybe he's maybe with whatever happened between Ted and Opal was all like, snowball effect from something their father did and maybe he's also gone or i don't know i really don't know but yeah i didn't even i didn't even really think about that so you just said it but it's super weird that it one he wasn't seen or at the very least he wasn't mentioned like hey you know where's your dad or you know like she didn't even go look for him or anything or her mom part of this is probably like you you could only fit so much in the episode but without mephistoing it does make you wonder (laughs) how strange that she goes to her house. She can just freely walk into her house. She can go to her sister's her room and see her yeah. sister's bed. And there's not like a parent like, Hey, where's your sister by the way? Yeah. <laughs> or like, Hey, great to see you. It's, and it doesn't seem like they're like tragically dead because of the guard who says, you know, Oh, you never write your father. You know, to me, right. it would seem like, you know, I don't know it. I mean, I don't write, I don't say that about people whose dad's dead. <laughs> yeah. So, so I like, don't know. That line implies he's there and around. Yeah. At least in a normal capacity. So yeah, I don't know. Strange. Mm-hmm. I think, I think there's, a, there's a lot happening in the show, right? We got all the craziness surrounding Fern and, or even get to dark Fern and then that opens up and then we've got all this weirdness surrounding Opal. Is it all connected or I don't know. I don't know. It feels like they're, because it definitely you're right i mean it does feel like the story is like conflating more and more with each episode of like oh there's this oh there's that um it does seem like i don't know if it'll all come together like in a neat and tidy way but i do think some of the things are more related than first glance would seem um it also i do think these next four episodes are going to happen i think a lot's going to happen and they're going to move very quickly in terms of developments for the greater story, like the greater narrative. And part of that, I say that because of um, the ominous realization that fear Rai has that this is like the last moment of comfort for their journey. Right. That is not a very positive outlook 
for the party in the next four episodes. Right? Yeah. Who's she talking to? Yeah, I don't know. And I think some of the some people on Reddit were saying like they were looking at like Monk's abilities being like, what what is this ability? What is she doing exactly? And thinking maybe she had homebrewed a little bit of this. Yeah, because I mean, not that I'm intimately familiar with monks, but there's a monk in campaign two. So I've seen a lot of monk stuff and there's there's nothing. They're not magical. Like they don't do magic. They're physical. So I was wondering that, too. Like, what's going on there? So to me, though, to, the most simplest explanation is there's some sort of deity, right? Or something like that, at least. And so maybe the same person she's talking to is the same thing that is essentially teleporting her where she's needed, or I don't know. The, the whole time. Think... Go ahead. I was say, do you think her character's here to stay for the rest of the show? I do think that, yeah. The way this the way they've like been talking about it and you know, I, th- I think she is like going to be in the rest of the episodes. It wasn't just like a one episode guest stint. Uh-huh. So why she wasn't in the first ones, maybe like a scheduling thing that they wrote creatively into the story. But, and, you know, that's why we're having these weird summoning moments. Or maybe that was just always the plan to uh-huh. just, you know, have somebody come in an episode four. I don't know. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. It seems like she's here to stay, which she's been great. I really have liked her in the show. Yeah, it was so cool. I I just didn't expect to be a guest star at all. So that was that caught me completely off guard and I was super happy about it because uh you know, we campaign two just recently ended and you know, for the last year and a half of it really, it's been affected by the pandemic and corona. And one of the consequences of that was like no guest stars because, you know, they they had to follow like safety protocols and stuff. So um Guest, guest, potential guest stars have been like completely removed from my mind. So I did not expect it at all, and yeah, loved it because of that. So what's going on with talking about by Roden? Pageant was awesome. We talked about the pageant in the recap and um, how amazing Liam was. Yeah, I want to ask you about the statues of Vex okay. and Vax. Yeah, because I was like, wait, what? Because my impression was this was like a. a random town by the road it's a small town so it kind of threw me and i didn't understand where they're saying if vax and vex were from by Roden or like what what do you do you have more information there yeah so vax and vex are from by Roden. um oh okay cool they, that's, wow that's, that's cool. their hometown and um it was never really like that single line was basically most of the backstory we'd ever gotten on it. So I think, I think Abria got to kind of, kind of do what she wanted with it. Um, the, the only history we know is Thordak, the Cinder King, which we've spoken of a little bit in previous episodes. He's the one that caused the scar that the fire Ashari were dealing with. And he also is the one that caused the crater in Amon that has been referenced as well. Um, he attacked that city, um, a long time ago, like before even he just he did the scar in the crater I just mentioned. He attacked it like a long time ago, and that's uh part of what's mentioned in campaign one with Vax and Vex, and that's basically yeah, all okay. is that this town, the town they're from, was attacked by Thordak. And you know, I won't get into any other spoilers, but um so I, I think I thought it was really cool that Abria decided to like go there and flesh it out and create like this this culture there that's like very reminiscent of like Southern Texas or, you know, just any place in the South really. Um, and I think she said the three, the three M's are like mining militia and merriment. merriment I want to say. Yeah. And uh, so basically the, the quick 
the quick history is that the town was attacked by Thordak at some point in the past, and um, they had to rebuild after that. And after something like traumatic like that happens, you know, a town's going to make sure that they can protect itself. So that's why militia is one of their like three M's. Um, and also, and, and Abria kind of spoke a little bit about this on Twitter. And she was saying that, you know, um, the people, the type of people that would, that would stay and rebuild are, is going to be like a tight knit community. And, you know, um, that's why like kind of everyone knows each other there. And they, um, Put up the statue of vax and vex because it's like look people from byrodin are strong and you know we're a strong town we're going to survive we're going to evolve and um you know they uh she they 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 rebuilt they're strong but they also know how to good have a good time and that's like where the merriment comes in and you know they have these festivals and stuff so i don't know uh lots of pie lots of pie <laughs> but uh yeah, I just thought it was cool to see it. And it's not something that, uh, for those of you that didn't watch Campaign 1, it's not something that, like, was a thing. Like, we never even went there. Um, so it was cool just to see it fleshed out. And I spoke on this a little bit when you were uh, having your bathroom break, but the the moment with um, Orem with, like, Vax in the background, I don't think there was any, like, there's no actual connection there, but just from, like, a meta standpoint, I just love that moment that, like, here was, you know, a player with his past character, like kind of highlighting the moment. I hope I was hoping so bad that somebody did some fan art of it, but I haven't seen any yet. So, yeah, no, that's really cool. He does. So, uh, Vox Machina are they basically like the Avengers of Exandria? Like, <laughs> does everyone everyone knows them? Everyone kind of. And then simple similarly, and for Campaign Two. Are the Mighty Nine also famous, but over in Wildmount? Um, I don't want to get too spoilery here. I would say that Vox Machina would be way more like the Avengers than the Mighty Nine would, but it's also been probably 40 years or so, I think, since their escapades. And, you know, this was where, the town where one of them was from, so clearly they're going to, like, you know, yeah. have the statue and know about him and stuff. I would say... In in Taldore, most people probably know who Vox Machina is, um, but I would say that's not really the same of the Mighty Nine. They weren't as famous, if I can put it yeah, that okay. way. Okay. So, where do you think we're going next in this episode? I mean, or the, in this uh, series? I mean, do you think next episode we're making it to Kinira? I think so, and I think we're gonna. I think that we can answer a lot of questions there because one, we're going there to get. The translation to figure out what the hell that rune is but also i'm still team something was going on with opal's dad so i'm thinking we might find out more and maybe that'll shed some light on what's going on with opal and ted because i don't know i feel like i feel like it could all be connected especially like if their dad went there and came back like messed up that perhaps he is the one that even started this deal with the devil or mm. something and you know maybe just opal or ted had to, to pay for it or something um, but yeah, I think we'll, I think we're going there and I think we will hopefully, if not get answers, get some light shined on things we're very confused about right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and if, if that is what, uh, Fyra, Fira recognized when Dariak said, Inara, then perhaps we get some answers about her as well. Once mm -hmm. she gets there and if she does have some. Familiarity or connection to it. 
What about the post-credit scene with um, like thinking about the language? This is the second one we've had for Opal's character, or excuse me, <clears throat> Ted, uh, around Opal's character. And um, obviously she's having, Ted's having this moment of sort of realizing she's close to home. But that line, she feels the seed of potential of purpose. The seed begins to grow. Yeah. Is that an RP explanation for level three? Or are there greater implications here? I don't know. I was wondering that too, because I, I think I thought it was interesting that, you know, it's another clue that like this really is her sister and not, you know, a potential patron tricking her or whatever, you know, because mm-hmm. she feels close to home, but she can't touch it, which again makes me think that she's not out there somewhere. Like Ted no longer has a body. Like Ted's entire existence is this spiritual thing that she has with uh, Opal. So I don't know what, I don't know what the seed of potential was. Like I was trying to think if, was there a moment that happened? Like maybe, maybe like the brief reconciliation she had with her sister, like maybe that's what she's talking about. Like maybe the fact that Opal has this mission and so Ted's like, maybe I can do some good via this mission we're on. I really have no idea what that was referring to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know either. It's just, it. I feel like we are beating a dead horse here, but a lot of questions to answer for yeah. sure. And hopefully, it definitely feels like, like I said before, this back half of the series is going, a lot's going to happen, I think. Uh, and I think we may be heading to some pretty epic moments. I think so too. And one thing real quick, I'm trying to find it to make sure I, I say the right thing. That the seed of potential thing to growing reminded me of another moment. Uh, sorry. It, but it was, hopefully I'll find it here in a second. But it was with the elves from Singorn. And I think it was Vera com- communicating with her deity or whatever it was. Okay, okay sorry, I found it. Yeah. And it says, one mind of this group has a drop of thought like ink spreading of water into the rest of the group. So the party isn't going to Singorn. This isn't over yet. I don't think the two moments are related, but they re- it reminded me of the other one, and I want to talk about it. Yeah, what, what is that, that talking mean? about? Was it saying that like <laughs> Mirada, like there's like a sense of distrust, or like there's something greater going on here, and that idea just needs time to like spread, and then they're gonna like I'm after the party for some reason. Like this isn't over yet. I just didn't. To me, I'm interpreting that as the issue with these elves in the party, but maybe that's the wrong conclusion to make. Maybe this isn't over yet is referring to Dark Fern or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting because of the descriptions around the elves. Abria says they're very focused as they're putting these, these crystals in, but deeply afraid. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. And then I think about that line without the ink, which is such a great way to describe it. Without the ink, one mind of this group has put a drop of thought into the rest of the group. This isn't over yet. So for me, yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. What's not over yet? This interaction with the Singorian Singorian elves or the events that just transpired here. Is that what they're saying is not over yet? Um, I think that makes more sense. And so then who is the person... Who, who's the faulty person, I guess, you know, is it, and is it related to the circlet? You know, part of me, as I was thinking, as that, that scene was happening, I was wondering, we are, we're getting some, you know, one ring vibes a bit with yeah. the circlet. 
And so I wonder what other similarities we're going to have in the sense of is the circlet. We know that people, um, Opal, for example, during her, when they were camping, the circlet seemed to kind of reach out to her. Uh, she had a dream of the yeah. spider queen, you know, it's kind of calling to her. And so I do kind of wonder is, and especially Opal saying she's considering her options as she was yeah. looking at the circlet. I mean, could we be heading to a moment where she realizes her sister's dead, it's her fault, and there's only one thing that can bring her sister back, the circlet, mm. and heading to towards her taking it and putting it on. I, I kind of wonder if the the contamination, so to speak, of the group is one person being you know, they've kind of all been single-minded of, we need, we need to take the circlet. We don't need to put it on, but we need to take it till someone, I guess, till it's the right time to give it up. Yeah. And I wonder if now one of them, maybe Opal, maybe Fern, is now thinking, I need the circlet and is eventually going to try to take it. Yeah. That, yeah, I mean, I could see it. I liked the one ring comparison that maybe it's like, you know, kind of corrupting and like infiltrating into people to get it to like wear it or whatever, you know, and maybe that's what Dark Fern was. Maybe I don't know. But it was interesting that like his. That Opal said that like she's considering her options, like staring at the circlet. Because like, you know, we just had the whole moment with Fern. Like Opal wasn't even really connected to the circlet in any way. So like I just, you know, what made her, especially after that horrific <laughs> encounter, I wonder what made her think about wearing that and maybe unless it's just power like you know since she was just knocked unconscious maybe she was like you know i can't let that happen again it, it seems like it has to be related related to either fern or opal because let's think about the one person who's affected who's spreading into the others it's probably not orem i'm thinking because he seems to be the most holistically good you know yeah. brave well, he character. can't even touch it right him and dorian right sick Dariax is too stupid to, <laughs> you know, be affecting the party in some way. He's the feel-good guy. Um, Dorian would be the next one I would think as, as a possibility, but it seems like his story just is not really central to what's necessarily happening from what we've seen so far. And that's why I think it would have to be either, we'd have to be referring to either, um, it seems like Fear Arise getting insight from this deity about the party status, what's happening, um, and that in this moment she's being clued into, yeah, someone in your group is gradually losing their sense of cohesion with the rest of the group, and it's going to affect everyone else. Mm. It's becoming more singular-minded. And so for me, that has to point to Fern or Opal. Interesting. Yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we keep ending this with, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're honest. Yeah, yeah. I think for those of you watching, if you have a theory or an idea, or, I mean, this has been, I don't know how long this has been, um, but if you're still with us, if you have a theory, if you have a thought as to what's going on here with this very ominous line, uh, we'd love to know what you think. And if you're right, you'll get some serious internet points because we can say, hey, this, this random dude, this, this random person was right. That's right. So <laughs> you got that coming your way. So yeah, I yeah. mean, I would love to hear anyone's and everyone's theories. So if you've got it, definitely hit us up. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Were you going somewhere? Because I, I just have... say, yeah. What else did you want to hit on? I had at least I have one thing for sure. Uh, speaking of Dorian, um, we get that moment with him and Dariax where Dariax is like, you know, are you a carnival folk? Did like, did I figure it out? And uh, you know, Dorian's. I think it's clear that Dorian's messing with him in that moment, yeah. saying like, yes. But then I'm wondering if there be some truth in those fibs where he gives that whole story about his dad being a famous juggler that, you know, is now on the run because a king wants to kill him and Dorian has to hide because if anyone were to find out, that rings a little true to me. Like maybe the details are a little different, but like thus far we've known Dorian like won't reveal shit about his past. You know, we've both speculated that, you know, he's not who he says he is. And I don't know. I just something about that that moment made me think, okay, wait, is this true? It's just being kind of veneered with a, a lie. Right. What, what did you think in that moment? Let me bring you back to a personal favorite of mine, gladiator <laughs> where, um, Joaquin Phoenix is playing Commodus, a really despicable character. He's talking to his sister's son, his nephew, and he's realized that his sister has double crossed him. And he's like reading like a bedtime story or like telling him a story or something. And the child's kind of like, this is weird. <laughs> but he's like telling a story of a person who betrayed someone else and the whole time looking at um, his sister. Yeah. I think that's totally what's happening here. I think you're spot on that he's telling a story with like made up characters, but at its core, he's explaining what really happened to him and his family. Some of the details are probably made up, some of the things are exaggerated, you know, or flat out not true like being part of a carnival but it does seem like it's sourced in truth and um i do think his comment on having a brother is definitely he really does have a brother that he's squabbled with in some way and i think he even says like his brother is larger than he is or something to yeah. that effect yeah he did so uh yeah i just didn't know what to make of that but to me i felt that i felt that like that was true and that you know, I know we'd speculated that perhaps he comes from money or perhaps even like a prestigious family. Um, so the, this makes me think maybe less of that, but that, that he's hiding because like maybe a powerful family is after him for some reason or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good insight. And I just love that scene where it it's, it's again, it's peak D and D moment where someone says, where are you from? And you're like, crap, I don't know this world well enough to like have a town. And so you're like, you know, you could see him like on his, on his iPad. It's like, give me a town, some like a town anywhere. Um, name a woman, you know, he's just trying to like figure it out. And then, uh, Fern, you know, it's, it's like five seconds. That feels like 30 seconds as everyone's just staring. And then Fern goes, Oh, Oh, you're a very bad liar. (laughs) So yeah, that was just a great scene. It really was. And, Ah, I hope he comes clean because I want to know. There's so many mysteries. That one I feel like is not going to be central to the whole story like some of these other ones might be, but I still want right. to know. <laughs> yeah, I did wonder when we got Opal's first after um, post credit scene, I did wonder if we were going to get something like that for each character. Ooh, that's and interesting. now I'm thinking this is this is a story that revolves around Opal and Fern in some way. Which, yeah. I, by the way, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say we've been hard on Opal because she definitely has had her Karen moments, but um, I, I, I went from like being kind of 
overwhelmed on Opal or like kind of like, eh, I don't know how I feel about this character to now I'm like, okay, I like everybody. I like everybody. I love everybody. The, the acting's great. The characters are great. Um, this episode really helped seal the deal for me in terms of, um, I don't even know really what I'm saying. I know other than just like, like you, you're, you like the character of Opal where she kind of was coming off as a little bit abrasive in earlier episodes. And as we weren't sure if that was like in service of like a deeper RP character moment, or if she, if, if Opal is just annoying, but like, it, I think once we've kind of, it's been fleshed out is that like, it, that was good acting. And like there, those were, those are per- purposeful character choices that have like, you know, been making more sense as things have been fleshed right. out here. Right. So I get what you're saying. And I agree. Nice. Um, yeah, but yeah, I agree that it seems like Fern, at, ver- at least Fern, and I'll, I'll agree with you on Opal too, since I think the whole dad thing is connected, that they perhaps are a little bit more connected to the, the grand scheme of things than the other characters. Um, and I can't wait to find out. Uh, one last thing, or not, doesn't have to be the last if you have more, but there's one other thing I wanted to, to briefly touch on that I should have brought up when we were talking about Fern. But it's you mentioned something during the recap that I didn't even pick up on. Uh, that Dark Fern said that the letters were not from our parents; they're from Grandma. I didn't even catch that happen in the episode. So to me, that's super interesting and makes me reconsider the whole context of the false memory Fern has about traveling as well. Like the Grandma lied about these letters. Maybe the Grandma is manipulating her memories about this and i don't know it's it seems like fern has some in some form or fashion some part to play and perhaps the grandma is trying to protect her from that mm. and dark fern and the matriarch of the sealy court or whatever are maybe trying to pull fern back into that yeah and i it's it's interesting the implications of like what exactly dark fern is because if it's like a imaginative illusion Mm -hmm. to convince fern to come through um then this could very well just be lies based on like her past right but then again it's it's information you would wonder how someone would know if it really is her from the future again getting into time travel yeah then yeah that's it's a really cool development for her character of implying that i guess her parents left at some point but still wrote you know, it's like, oh yeah, your parents went to the farm, and oh, there's a new letter from them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, dear Fern, we love you, mom and dad. You know, it's like, I don't know. It it, it does seem I'm 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 more of a fan of the latter, although it's a hot mess. You know, dealing with time travel, but thinking of the motivations of this grandma and um, you know, really the way she described getting to Iman of like her grandmother leading her. I think that's intentional language Mm -hmm. and her grandmother definitely seems like the ends justify the means. That's kind of where I'm getting at with her. And so it does make me wonder, although it seems like so far everything has been done um, to the protection of Fern or maybe even her benefit or the benefit of other people. I, it does seem like we're heading to a moment of Fern realizing her grandmother isn't as, pure in her memory as she or the impression she has of her Mm. yeah so i don't know yeah and it it seems like she's on some sort of mission as well you know saying i i'm not i'm not ready to go back i haven't accomplished it what i need to yet so like i just 
Uh, so many questions. So yeah, and you do wonder in future episodes are they going to have the time and space for like Orem to say, "Hey, what? What you mentioned that? What? What is your mission? What are you doing here?" Or if it's still kind of like the fugue state that everyone seems to have had, and we don't really <laughs> ever talk about it. Yeah, um, which is again weird, but I guess for the sake of the show, it you're not gonna be like, "Hey, episode one. Hey, we're all confused. Let's get it all on the table. What happened?" Right. Yeah. So I get it from like a storytelling perspective. They did mention that they were going to, you know, they've seen Opal talk to Ted twice now and they're like, what are you doing? They keep mentioning that they're going to talk about that later, but they still haven't. So hopefully that. Even when she brings it up to Gilmore, Gilmore says, let's table that. We'll get to that. But they they never do. Oh, so I don't think that's like an intentional. I think that's more just them probably like forgetting while they're playing type of thing. Sure. I hope. Yeah. I hope it gets brought up. Yeah. We get some answers. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that was, that was most of the big things I had or wanted to dissect with you. A long episode. This was a long episode yeah, it was. and for our listeners, thanks for tuning in. I don't know. I don't know if like the episode should be as long as the critical episodes <laughs> themselves, but we're on our way. Yeah. And like I said, let us know in the comments, what you think about the recap format. If you want it shorter, if you like it, how it is. Um, cause we want to tailor it around what people get the most. The reason we do it is for the benefit of our viewers to know what happened in an episode. So absolutely. Let us know. Hit us up in the comments. Hit us up on Twitter. We're over at, uh, at PX lists, PX L I S T S. Um, always down to, to, to clown and theorize with you there. So definitely give us a shout. And, um, we just got our thumbnail to do as far as I'm concerned, unless you got anything else. I love the thumbnail. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't, I don't have anything prepared. It seems try- like we're going either, we're either going pageant style or we're going dark fern style. So oh. I'll let you choose the scene and then we can think of something from that. Uh, let's go dark fern. Cause I just, that seems, I don't even know what I'm going to do, but it seems interesting. Hmm. <laughs> just try to make like a scary, weird face or something. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> People are going to be like, he's weirded out and scared. <laughs> and I'll do a little bit of... <laughs> we look like rats or like sewer <laughs> creatures. You guys are a bunch of idiots. <laughs> We're not idiots. We're doctors. Am I stupid? A little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, for our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking us out. And thanks for just following us on this journey. We're excited for episode five. We'll catch you later. Pageant wave. Yeah, good. <laughs> That's what it should have been. It should be our, it'll be next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Deuces. Bye.